Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. It's pretty hard to get to 80 years and not have some bad stretches along the journey. And for David, this is a really difficult stretch, and it's hard to look at. And in chapter 16, he encounters three different people under three different circumstances that are they're difficult. And tonight we're going to look at them because we all deal with difficult people. Number one, we don't want to be the difficult person. We want to be the gracious person. But as Jesus said to the disciples, if the world hates you, don't be surprised because it hates me first and it will hate you. And we know that you don't have to do anything wrong in life to have people come against you. You're going to have enemies no matter what. And then if you're living for the Lord, you'll definitely have enemies because you're living for the Lord. So you don't have to go looking for enemies. They will naturally find you because the devil hates you and hates everything God's doing in your life. And that's just the way it is. And so as we come to David tonight, he's dealing with difficult people in diverse circumstances when he's super vulnerable. And we're going to look at this and learn some lessons tonight from it and ultimately get back on Jesus before we go home to be reminded that he's got our back no matter how evil people are around us. And we're just trying to live the human experience. So chapter 16, so we'll just kind of put over this entire chapter, what can you do? You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because as we go through this chapter tonight, you're going to think of people you know, and you just like, what are you going to do? What can you say? What can you do? So when David was a little past the top of the, the Mount of Olives, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple saddled donkeys and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, oh, what do you mean with these? So Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. Then the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he's staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, Here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight. My lord, O king. Well, this is our first character tonight. Ziba, he was the servant of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, David's best friend. And Jonathan, of course, is the son of the first king, King Saul. There's the link there. And we know that God rejected the house of Saul. We know that Jonathan was a great man of God. He died in combat with his father, uh, Saul, there in the back end of 1 Samuel. We know that Mephibosheth became a cripple when the news came that the grandfather and father had died and the nurse ran and dropped him and he was left lame from that incident. We know that David showed kindness to Mephibosheth. We know that David loved Mephibosheth and all the love and friendship that he wanted to have in his relationship with Jonathan. Jonathan is gone. They made a covenant. Jonathan's gone. David directs that energy and all those blessings upon Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, and lets him feast at the king's table and gives him a very highly esteemed position there in the house of David in the city of Jerusalem. So when this event happens where Absalom is coming, he's come into the city, 
and David's fleeing. Here, this guy, he, he, Ziba does this thing where he, he comes and he purposely deceives David. Now, when David comes back from his exile in a couple chapters, we probably won't see it on a Saturday, but we will see it on a Tuesday. When he comes back after Absalom's killed and David comes back, this guy, Ziba, comes out. And then also Shimei, who's also in this chapter, they come out and they say, we're so sorry for everything we did wrong. And David's like, whatever. In fact, in the case of Ziba, Mephibosheth greets David when he comes back into the land. And David says, like, what happened? And Mephibosheth hasn't trimmed himself, groomed himself. His personal hygiene has just gone to pieces. And he's like, Ziba deceived me. He said he was going to get the horse to bring me to you. And instead, he left me behind. And I've been so grieved and so sorrowful ever since this happened. And I've not rested since the day you fled from Jerusalem. So when we read this text tonight, we know later on that when David came back, that we realized this was all a lie, that Ziba's whole thing was a lie. He purposely deceived Mephibosheth. He deceived David concerning Mephibosheth, and he just did what he's going to do. We also find in that text, a couple chapters ahead of here, that he had 15 sons and 20 employees, 20 servants. So Ziba is that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy or the kind of woman who will lie to your face straight up, bold-faced liar. Some people just lie. And, you know, most of us, we might like bend the truth. We might exaggerate something. But most of us coming to church on a Saturday night, we're not going to generally bold-faced lie. And not just to lie, but to lie to the king, the most powerful man in Israel, to his face, to lie boldly to his face. So this guy, first character we get tonight, he's a bold-faced liar. That's what he is. He's a bold-faced liar. You, you know this person. You went to school with them. You work with them. They might live in your neighborhood, depending on how big your family is. With adults, there's probably one of your siblings might actually be a bold-faced liar. There are random people who will be a bold-faced liar in a court of law. They'll swear under oath, and they'll be a bold-faced liar, and they'll They'll lie for their own objective. We watch people all the time that are famous lie, look straight at a camera, and lie, bold-faced liars. So to say that there are, it's not surprising in our lives that we're impacted by people who would look you in the eyes and straight up lie to you. And this is the context of God's word tonight. This guy is lying straight up, purposely deceiving King David when David is extremely vulnerable, and he has an agenda. Now, these three people we see tonight, they all have different perspectives. This guy, he, he's about, Ziba's about self-agenda. See, he doesn't care if David's king or Absalom's king. He doesn't care. He doesn't matter who the king is. He cares about himself. He's about money. He sees opportunity in a disaster, in a difficult situation. The boss is in trouble. The neighbor's in trouble. This thing happened. The HOA is in trouble. The homeowners association. Like he just is opportunistic to leverage things to seize wealth at whatever cost. And whoever you have to step on, the cripple, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, doesn't matter. Throw him under the bus and let David, as he's fleeing, think that this guy betrayed David. You don't care. 
You don't care the friendship that David had with Mephibosheth. You don't care when you're a bold-faced liar that Mephibosheth is going to be grieving and cause great sorrow and anguish of soul yet again in his life because you're a bold-faced liar. And you don't care if you tell him you're coming to get him and you don't because you don't care because you're a bold-faced liar. And you don't care about going before the king. And some people are this bold when they lie. They go right before the king and say a flat-out lie. Look what David says. He goes, where is your master's son? That's a legitimate question because David and Mephibosheth were friends. So Ziba, where, where's, your, where's your master's son? Because the master would have been Jonathan Saul, ultimately the house of Saul. It's a question. Where, where's Mephibosheth? He says, oh, he says that the kingdom's going to be restored to me. You talk about throwing someone under the bus. Have you ever been thrown under the bus? Have you ever had someone at work or in your family, purposely, volitionally, maliciously, throw you under the bus. Bump, 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 back it up, and go forward again. It hurts. It hurts a lot when someone lies about you, lies to you, and throws you under the bus. Now, in this case, David... There's a lesson. We talked about this Tuesday night with David. This, this, like, this text is like the book of Proverbs. We need to learn practical things from this chapter. Because it's impossible for you and me to get to 80 and not deal with bold-faced liars. It is possible for us not to be the bold-faced liar. And it's impossible for our kids to get to 80 and not deal with bold-faced liars. Because the world is filled with bold-faced liars. People who deceive People who twist the truth, deny the truth, make truth a lie, make it a lie a truth because the devil's a father of lies. It's what he does. He calls good evil, evil good. Well, it just it, to make everything ambiguous and, and not absolute to the point where men get pregnant shows the insanity of how much bold-faced lying is going on in this planet right now and in this country and in the positions of power. So it's impossible for you and I and our kids and our grandkids that we love so much to get through life and not have to deal with bold-faced liars. So we need to help them understand, how do you deal with a bold-faced liar? Now, we can choose not to be a bold-faced liar, so we're already presuming that. And you've had those feelings on your own level. There is no worse feeling than when someone lies about you and lies to you, either or or both. It's a terrible feeling. When Jesus stood before his accusers, they lied and they lied and they lied. And they tried to construe these accusations against Jesus. And none of them could stand against him because, of course, uh, there was no guile within him, as it says in Isaiah 53, that he was innocent and the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. But if you go to the gospel accounts, they're lying. They're trying to, they're throwing anything they can at him. He said this and he said that and he said this and he said, tear down the temple and he said that. And so Jesus, whenever we're in a situation where someone is lying to our face or has lied to our face and we realize it and we feel betrayed and defiled by that or um, they lied about us to someone else's face. So see, because in the story of David, it goes both ways, right? Because David is being lied to to his face. So that's happening right there in the context. But Mephibosheth is thrown under the bus and he's being lied about to David. So there's a double, there's a double iniquity. There's iniquity against David to his face and there's iniquity against Mephibosheth who's being lied about to David. It's a, it's a, it's a daily double for the big lie. And it hurts. And I think in the human experience after 60 years, most of us would agree 
being lied about or being lied to, it actually, it may not be as evil as a murder or things like that, but there's just something very defiling about when people lie about you to other people or a lie to your face. There is a, a very raw, naked, defiling element to it that just makes you sick. So in this situation, David is, and so often when you're lied to or lied about, you're vulnerable to. David is extremely vulnerable here. His son is coming to replace him as king. And so it's not like he's mentally strong. He's not emotionally strong. Like if you're emotionally strong at work and you're emotionally strong in the family gathering and, you know, sometimes when people settle estates and stuff like this, that's where people are vulnerable and this adult sibling is trying to rip off those siblings and they got this legal document and then they did this little shuffling of the feet and winking the eyes and they did this, that, or in the workplace and it happens that way. And like usually when this, something like this happens and the context is this is the way it is, is that you're more vulnerable. Like David's not strong right now. He's not in his throne going like, this guy's an idiot liar. I know that's kind of strong, but you know, he's not strong. David's not strong like looking at, looking at Ziba going like, dude, this guy's a liar. Just look at his face. Guys, is this guy lying or what? He's not in the place of strength in his throne to read it properly. He's vulnerable and He totally believes it. And that's what's kind of scary about this part of the story is David believes the lie. That's a problem with slander and lies is people can choose to believe it. And you can try and spend your whole life trying to put out the brush fires of lies. And what are you going to do? What, what, like really, life is so short and the day only has so many hours. Who has time to try and fight and put out brush fires of lies that could be spoken to us or against us or both. I think David's mistake here, and I do believe there's a mistake for David, is when you're vulnerable, that's when you should be really careful about the type of decisions you make and the decrees you make. Because David is extremely vulnerable, and he it says here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. You know, that was a pretty easy giveaway, wouldn't you agree? Like David just gave away everything that was Mephibosheth without ever talking to Mephibosheth to confirm the validity of this account. We're told in Proverbs, David's son Solomon write years later, the one to plead his cause seems right at first until his neighbor comes and examines him. Solomon would write that a generation later. And in this case, David would have done so well had he just tested. The Bible tells us to test all things, hold fast that which is good. And we know that there's lying signs and wonders. We know that there's all kinds of deception that the father of lies, the devil has. And in this case, David didn't cross-check the witness, the evidence. This man came in a flurry with donkeys and fruit and wine and all this stuff and says this about Mephibosheth and says that's the way it is. And David goes, well, you can have everything that's his. Which just reminds us when you're vulnerable, don't make big time decisions. When you're sick, you probably shouldn't make critical decisions, right? You should wait till you're healthy if you can. How many people take advantage of the elderly when they're sick and flustered and they come in and they get them to sign this, sign this napkin, sign this piece of paper, do this and do that, change his trust, change his estate. It happens all the time. 
There are tens of thousands of people that wake up every day on planet Earth trying to rip off the elderly on planet Earth, particularly those that live in affluent countries like ours. There are people that wake up in India and these places by the thousands, and they go to work, and they're calling your parents in assisted living, trying to get their Social Security number and steal their wealth from them and from you. That's what they do. There's great evil on planet Earth, and this is what people do. I know because I've ministered to people who've had this happen. Can't tell you how relieved I was when I realized my dad couldn't remember a Social Security card. And I mean it truthfully. He still had a landline, and people would call all the time trying to, at the assisted living, he had a landline. They were calling like, hey, da-da-da-da-da, and they're fishing, and they're fishing, and they're trying to do this, and they're trying to do that. And, I, and I, I, I found out that my dad was getting a lot of calls. And we had the landline for one reason, so my sister could call and say hi to my dad. Call from Florence, say hi to my dad. But I'm like, what's the risk-reward? How vulnerable is my dad to these people trying to rip him off, calling from all over the planet, trying to steal my dad's wealth? What can we do? So, Dad, dad hey, Dad, what's your birthday? Um, May 4th, 1930. Okay, well, Dad, what's your social? It's like, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine, Dad. Don't even worry about it. But we still disconnected the line because you can never underestimate the evil of people who take advantage. My good friend Jimmy, in the last four months of his mom's life, this, this guy who did, did this to elderly women over and over and over, he was a con. He got her to sign the napkin when she was sick. That napkin held up in a court of law, half a million dollars, just like that. Jimmy and his brother lost everything, and this con who came out of nowhere in the last five months of his mom's life took everything that she'd saved up for her entire lifetime, which reminds us not the point of the message tonight. Make sure you have a trust. Make sure you have a will. Make sure you have a power of attorney, a DNR, uh, a medical assist, you know, what to do in a medical situation. If you have anything that's right side up, make sure you protect your wealth so stuff like this can't happen because these guys, this guy Zeba, he just looks for someone that has something he can take, and he'll take it from them. And if you have kids, you should have someone who gets your kids if you and your spouse die in an accident. Who do you want to raise your kids? You should decide that. That's a very important question because you do not want the court of Santa Ana deciding who raises your kids if you and your spouse die in an accident at the same time. We've had this stuff in written form for years and years and years. And you should have a life insurance policy, too, if your wife and kids are still dependent upon you for monthly income as well. But that's another Bible study, but that's a free thought that goes with this. It's worth considering and thinking about. David, you need to test all things and hold fast that which is good. And just because someone pleads the case first doesn't mean it's right. Because more often than not, the people that run in to present their case, they have an agenda. And you, you can always step back and say, now let's hear the other side of this and let's consider this matter. And, and I know this isn't a typical Bible study, but this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. This is Second Samuel, and this is what happened, and there's a lesson for us in this one. Don't be quick to make huge decisions that affect all kinds of people when you're being deceived and you haven't even checked, and, checked the thing to see if you are being deceived. Now, here's a final thought on this guy. When David comes back and Mephibosheth says, oh, man... Ziba did all this and he did all that and everything. And, and David's like, and you know, David's like so tired of everything. He goes, just, just divide the land. And, Ziba, and uh, Mephibosheth says, I don't even want it. Just let him have it. See, when you get older, the wealth doesn't, <laughs> when you get older, the things that young people fight over, they don't have the same power because 
time is your more valuable asset than the actual temporal things that you leave behind anyways. Right? For real. So David's like, David's like, Mephibosheth's like, look, look at me. I didn't trim my nails. I didn't do anything. And David, I've been so sad. And David's like, look, just, just split the land. Like David, like, David didn't want to deal with it. I don't want to hear about, I don't want to arbitrate. It's like Jesus and Luke, where they come to Jesus and say, hey, I tell my brother to give me my share. And he goes, who may be an arbitrator over you? David's the same thing you're writing. It's like, I do not want to be an arbitrator over you and Ziba. Just split the land. And Mephibosheth's like, David, I don't even care. I just, I want to continue to sit at your table and be where you're at. And that's the heart of a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the heart of Mary in the New Testament. Because when you think about it, Jesus said of Mary, she desired the one thing that's most desirable, to sit at Jesus' feet and keep learning. And really, in a way, that's what Mephibosheth said to David when David came back. And David said, just split it with Ziba. And Mephibosheth says, I don't even care. I just want to sit at the table where you're at and be in your household and be with you. It's like Mary just being at the feet of Jesus. I don't even care about the land. It doesn't mean anything to me. And that's a person whose heart is in a good place for eternity, by the way. Because Ziba is going to be Ziba. And Ziba is going to connive. He's going to lie. He's going to throw people under the bus. And he's going to do whatever it takes to get as much as he can for his kids, for his servants, for his employees. And in the end, who's going to remember him? He's a bad guy in the Bible. There's nothing from this man's life that we'd say tonight, oh, let's go home and live a life like Ziba. No, he's a bad man. He's a liar. He's a bold-faced liar. And we'd never want to be this person. Oh, but when you live for the temporal, this is what they do. This is what they do. They make their little backdoor deals. They conspire. They wink. They shuffle the feet. They exchange money. I do this. You do that. And this is what they do in places of power. This is what the corporations do with the politicians. Wink, wink, shuffle, shuffle. We all get rich and the average person gets dumbed down. It's what they do. But it's not what the disciples of Jesus Christ do. We're not bold-faced liars. We do test all things. We do give people the benefit of the doubt, but we do let the Lord show things to us. And we do have the gift of discernment because the Spirit gives us discernment. And we would rather sit at the feet of Jesus than to fight Ziba over all the land that gets left behind anyways when we step into eternity. Do you follow me? Mephibosheth got thrown under the bus and David got lied to his face. And the craziest thing is, Ziba got it all. I mean, Ziba did get it all. Isn't that crazy? All this conniving and lying and all this stuff right here, he still got it all. Like, what if you were, like, from the tribe of Judah, and you're thinking about it, you know, a couple years later, like, how about Ziba? How did that work out? That dude, that dude threw Mephibosheth under the bus, lied to David, and he still got everything. That doesn't seem very fair, does it? Do we ever feel like that, body of Christ, in 2022? Like, a happy ending for us is, like, Ziba loses everything, goes to jail for extortion, lying, and false testimony before the king. No. In this story, in the realm of time, space, and matter, Ziba did win, at least for the temporal. Ziba did deceive David. His plan did work. And Mephibosheth let him have everything shortly thereafter when David came back. So if you're going to let Ziba's success discourage you from righteousness, you're going to have trouble, and so am I. Because sometimes guys like Ziba, they do get away with everything. They get away with everything. 
They lie to the king and get away with it. They throw Mephibosheth under the bus and get away with it. And they end up with everything. They end up with more than even sought in the first place. And what are you going to do? The closest someone like this guy gets to heaven is this. And the closest someone like Mephibosheth gets to hell is this. So you see, ours is about the eternal kingdom. Ours is storing up treasures in heaven where thieves and moth do not destroy. Because Ziba is a thief, and he will steal, and he will destroy, and he may end up with everything. Because as I get older, I've been thinking about this. Because when you're 40, you think you might just see justice on planet Earth before you step into eternity. When you're 40, you think like that. Hey, you never know. But when you're 60, you're kind of like, probably not. Probably not. We know right and wrong. We know light and darkness. And we know truth and falsehood. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.